Welcome to MMU, the Mid-Atlantic Mauling University, a Blood Bowl podcast for new coaches. I'm your host, Ava Unit 2. In this episode, we'll be talking about the dice. This is episode one of a series I currently expect to be a limited run, but we'll see how the podcast goes. There's a lot more to the game than meets the eye, so there's plenty of content that can be made. What can you expect from this series? You can expect episodes to be around 20 to 30 minutes, with each episode focusing on a core rule, concept, tactic, or strategy related to the game of Blood Bowl. In this episode, we'll be talking about the dice. We'll be discussing their faces, their individual roles, how to count them, their probabilities, and their expected values. Dice are a fundamental part of Blood Bowl, and many new coaches come into the game without an adequate understanding of how the dice work and how to make them work for you. We'll be glossing over the details of the rules of some of the die rolls and talking specifically about the dice themselves and probability calculations. We also won't be discussing tactics. Not yet. This is all about understanding those evil little cubes. A word of caution. This episode's going to have a lot of math. And it's not going to be apparent at first how all of these math topics will pertain to the game, but stick with it. It'll all come together. The math isn't hard, it's just foreign to most people. Take it all in, and you'll come out of it with an understanding for dice that you can apply to all tabletop games. Understanding the dice is step one to understanding the game of Blood Bowl. So grab your dice, or a picture of the dice if you don't have a set of your own, and we'll get started with episode one, the dice, and the math behind them. Before we begin, I should mention that we will be referencing the Living Rulebook version 6 rules, or the LRB6. There are newer rules in BB2016 and the just recently released BB2020 rules. This podcast will transition over to those rules in due time, but rest assured that the content of this episode applies equally well to all versions of the rules. Blood Bowl has two types of dice, D6 dice and block dice. D6 dice are the everyday dice you are accustomed to, six faces numbered one through six. These dice are used for various roles, including agility rolls, armor rolls, and injury rolls. Block rolls occur when an attacker, the blocker, performs a block against an adjacent defender. Here I want to point out that I'll be using the terms attacker and blocker interchangeably. They both just refer to the coach who is actually rolling the dice. Anyway, the strengths of the attacker and the defender are compared, and if they are equal, the blocker gets to roll a single block die. If one player is stronger, two block dice are rolled, and if one player is more than twice as strong, three block dice are rolled. The coach of the stronger player gets to choose the die result of the roll. The block dice also have six faces, but instead of being numbered one through six, they have five icons, one of which appears on two faces. These are the attacker down icon, the both down icon, the pushed icon, which appears twice, the Defender Stumbles icon, and the Defender Down icon. Block dice are used, as the name suggests, during block rolls. The faces of a block die can generally be sorted into a scale from best to worst. Here, I'll sort them from best for the blocker to worst for the blocker and explain what each face means. The Defender Down face is the one you're always looking for as a blocker. This face causes the Defender to be pushed back one space 
and then be knocked down. Knockdowns always result in an armor roll, which may then result in an injury roll. Two types of rolls we'll explore a little bit later. The Defender Stumbles face works exactly like the Defender Down face with one exception. If the Defender has the dodge skill, he will only be pushed back. He will not be knocked down and therefore will not be required to make an armor roll. The pushed face appears on the die twice and forces the defender to be pushed back one space. The both down face causes both the defender and the blocker to be knocked down right where they're standing. Remember, being knocked down on your turn causes a turnover, so this result is bad for the blocker. The attacker down face causes the blocker to be knocked down right where they're standing. Just with this information, we can see that three of the six die faces cause the defender to get knocked down, while just two of the faces cause the blocker to get knocked down. So right off the bat, we can see that blocking favors the blocker, and that the defender only has a 50% chance of staying on his feet. Three skills to be aware of that dramatically change the outcome of block dice are the block skill, as the name implies. The block skill allows a player that has the skill to ignore the both down face. Pretty good. Dodge. The dodge skill allows a player to remain standing on a defender's stumbles face. It's important to note that each of these skills makes one additional face safe. So having both block and dodge means a player remains standing on all but a single face of the die, upping his chances to remain standing from 50% to 83%. The tackle skill on a blocker disallows the defender from utilizing his dodge skill, so tackle can take away the safety that dodge provides. Next, we'll talk about the D6 die. The D6 die is your normal everyday die. It has six faces, numbered 1 through 6, and this die is used for the majority of rolls in Blood Bowl. By far, the most d6 rolls you'll be performing in any given game are agility rolls. Agility rolls, at least in LRB6, work by rolling a d6 and comparing it to the player's AG stat. AG stands for agility. The AG stat tells you how many faces on the die will pass an AG6. So, an AG of 6 means that 6 faces will pass the roll, and an AG of 1 means only 1 face will pass the roll. So that in turn means an AG of 1 means you have to roll a 6 plus. An AG of 2 requires a 5 plus, and so on. This comes with two caveats. One, a natural 6 always succeeds and a natural 1 always fails. And two, modifiers are applied to the roll to determine the final value. These modifiers are determined by the individual roll type. Dodge rolls are a common use of the D6 die. I won't explain all of the rules for each of these rolls in detail right now, I'll save that for another episode. For now, know that dodge rolls add a minus one modifier for each tackle zone on the space the dodging player is dodging into, and a plus one modifier just for attempting the dodge. GFI rolls, or go for it rolls, are also common. These fail on a one, so they're fairly safe rolls when taken all by themselves. Passing in Blood Bowl is very, very risky. It requires no less than two rolls and sometimes three. If an interceptor is available, a d6 is rolled to intercept. And then a pass roll is made, and finally a catch roll is made. Armor rolls occur on knockdown. The coach of the knockdown player will roll 2d6 and compare the roll to the player's armor value, or AV. 
If the roll exceeds the AV stat, then an injury roll is made, which is another 2d6 roll against an injury table. Certain injuries, called casualties, will result in yet another roll, this time a d68 roll, which is a d6 and a d8 roll, with the d6 being the resulting 10's place and the d8 being the resulting 1's place, which is compared against a different table. These rolls are the main source of d6 rolls that have more than one die. There are many other d6 rolls, such as boneheaded, where a player must roll a d6 before taking his turn, and a result of a 1 means that the player loses his action for the turn, as well as his tackle zones, until he successfully passes a future boneheaded roll. The d6 roll is one that happens a lot in Blood Bowl, and has a lot of different ways to resolve them, being a stat check, a table lookup, or a simple value comparison. Team rerolls are also worth mentioning. Each turn, a team can spend a single team reroll, or TRR, if they have one available, on any one roll, be it a block roll or a d6 roll. As you can imagine, this is a strong mechanic that can help make rolls safe. What do I mean by safe? Well, let's first talk combinatorics. Combinatorics is the mathematical field of counting. Before we can talk probability, we have to talk about how to count things. I know that sounds elementary, but it's really not. So let's talk about permutations. A permutation is just a fancy way of saying a way to order something. How many ways can I order the number one? Well, there's only one way to write the number one, because it's the only number we have. So there's one permutation. If I wanted to know the total number of permutations for the numbers 1 and 2, I could work that out on paper. I could write 1 and then 2, or I could write 2 and then 1. So there are two different permutations of the numbers 1 and 2. Twice as many. What about 1 through 3? Well, that's a little harder, but we can still work it out on paper. We can write 1, 2, 3, 1, 3, 2, 2, 1, 3, 2, 3, 1, 3, 1, 2, and 3, 2, 1. So there are six different permutations of the numbers 1 through 3. That's three times as many. What about 1 through 4? Well, I won't list out all of these, but the answer is 24, four times as many. Do you see a pattern? The pattern is that with each number added, there are that many more times permutations. 1 has one permutation. 2 has 1 times 2 permutations. 3 has 1 times 2 times 3 permutations. We call this process a factorial. So 5 has 5 factorial permutations, or 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 permutations. This is because for each number we add, not only are we adding a new number, but we're also adding a new spot to order the numbers in. Okay, so now we know how to count every combination of a thing. What about other sets of things? When we count sets of things, be they fruit, or coins, or die rolls, there are two main factors we must consider. The first is order. Does the order matter? Let's consider two coin flips. The first flip is heads, and the second flip is tails. So let's call that heads-tails. If we consider this to be a different result from tails-heads, then we say the order matters. Simple, right? The second factor to consider is called replacement. Does getting a result remove that result from future results? 
Again, let's consider the coin flip. If we flip a coin and the result is heads, does that mean we can't get heads on the second flip? No, of course not. So we say a coin flip has replacement. An example of something that is without replacement is a deck of cards. If I pull a card off of a deck, say the King of Hearts, and I set that card aside, then the next card I draw cannot be the King of Hearts. There is no replacement. All right, so two factors, each with two states, ordered and unordered, and with replacement and without replacement. That means there are a total of four different ways to count things in this manner. Ordered with replacement, ordered without replacement, unordered with replacement, and unordered without replacement. Only the first pertains to Blood Bowl dice, so we'll skip over the other three for now. However, these may come back up in a future episode when it comes to the cards in Blood Bowl, so feel free to do some homework ahead of time, or simply wait for that episode. I encourage you to read up on combinatorics on your own. You can even feel free to send me an email at mmu at evaunit02.com or shoot me a DM on Twitter at evaunit02. I'll be happy to explain the details. Now, ordered with replacement is perhaps the simplest of the four to understand. Ordered sets with replacement are calculated by the total number of possible outcomes to the power of the total number of trials we perform. So for example, a coin has two possible outcomes, heads and tails. If we flip a coin three times, or flip three coins, however you wish to think of it, then the total number of outcomes is two to the third power, two cubed, or eight. I encourage you to work this out on your own and write down all eight ways that three coins can end up. All right, now that we know how to count things, specifically dice, let's talk about probabilities. finally ready to talk about figuring out the odds of getting rolls that we want, or even the odds that we don't want. So what is probability? Well, it's simply the number of desired outcomes divided by the total number of outcomes. And since we've already talked about how to count up these sets, doing division is a piece of cake. Let's start small again though, and talk about a few coin flips. What is the probability of flipping tails on a single coin flip? Well, there's one desired outcome, tails, and two possible outcomes, heads and tails. So that's one divided by two, or one half. What about flipping tails on either of two coin flips? Well, let's work this one out on paper. We already know from our combinatorics work that there are four possible outcomes, two to the second power, since coin flips are ordered with replacement. These outcomes are heads, 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 tails, tails, heads, and tails, tails. As you can see, of those four possibilities, three of them have at least one tails result. That means we have a three-fourths chance, or 75% chance, of our desired outcome. Easy peasy. All right, let's talk about block dice. What are our desired outcomes for block dice? Well, that's gonna depend on a number of things, such as if you're the attacker or the defender, if you have skills you're looking to trigger, etc. A good base to start with, and the example we'll be using, is the answer to the question I asked earlier, safe results. Safe results are results that, as an attacker, don't result in a turnover. Now a quick note, when I say attacker from now on, I'm referring to a coach who not only is rolling the dice, 
but also rolling with a player who has an equal or greater strength than the defender. In other words, we are assuming that the attacker will be the one who is able to choose the die result. This is important because if the defender is stronger, the odds are going to change. But you'll be able to take the information we learn and, with a little homework, calculate the odds when the defender is the stronger player. So, for an unmodified roll, we have four safe results out of a total of six results. Only the attacker down and the both down faces result in a turnover. This means a single die roll has a four-sixths, simplified to two-thirds, or a 67% chance of being safe. Already, we can take away one important piece of information. Blood Bowl favors the attacker. So what about rolling two dice? Well, we can put our combinatorics knowledge to use and simply count all of the possible desired outcomes and divide that by all of the possible outcomes. If we do that, we'll see that there are 36 different outcomes, and if we count all of the safe outcomes, we'll see that there are 32 of them. 32 divided by 36 is about 89%. Now, writing all of that down takes a lot of time, and trying to do that in your head takes a lot of effort. We can do better, but first we need to lay a few ground rules for probability. Don't worry, this is the last of the math and then we'll finally be able to put all of this to use. Just like our combinatorics work, probabilities can also be categorized into four main groups divided along two major axes, dependence and exclusivity. Two events are dependent if one affects the outcome of the other. One die roll does not affect the outcome of another die roll. Therefore, Two die rolls are independent events. The probability of two independent events occurring is called the AND probability. If you're familiar with Boolean logic, this is exactly the same in that it simply means the probability of event 1 AND event 2 occurring, not one or the other. This is calculated simply by multiplying the probabilities of the two events together. So what's the probability of rolling a 2 on a blue die and a 5 on a red die? Well. Rolling a 2 on a blue die is a 1 6th probability. Rolling a 5 on the red die is also a 1 6th probability. So if we multiply 1 6th and 1 6th, we get 1 36th. That's the AND probability, also called the intersection if you're familiar with databases. Here's a bit of homework for you. What would be the probability of rolling a 2 AND a 5 on two white dice? Here's a hint. The order no longer matters. Okay, moving on. Two events are exclusive if one event prevents the other event from occurring. In this case, the probability of two exclusive events occurring is called the OR probability, or the union probability. This is calculated by adding the two probabilities instead of multiplying them. However, two die rolls do not prevent events from occurring between one another. Therefore, die rolls are non-exclusive. So how do we calculate that? Well. This is called the inclusive OR probability and is calculated by subtracting the AND probability from the OR probability. So, if we have two events named A and B, then calculating the inclusive OR probability would be the probability of A plus the probability of B minus the product of the probability of A times the probability of B. Let's try this out with our two-die block example. We have two dice, we'll call them A and B. What's the probability of a safe roll on die A? We already calculated this, and we know it to be two-thirds. Well, what's the probability of a safe roll on die B? It's the same type of die with the same faces, so the probability here is again two-thirds. 
So now let's calculate the inclusive OR probability. First, we'll add 2 thirds plus 2 thirds. This gives us 4 thirds. Then, we'll multiply 2 thirds times 2 thirds. This gives us 4 ninths. Then, we'll subtract 4 ninths from 4 thirds. So, we can find a common denominator of 9, which gives us 12 ninths, and 12 ninths minus 4 ninths equals 8 ninths. 8 divided by 9 is about 89%, and if you remember, that's exactly the same number we got through using our combinatorics knowledge. Finally, we are starting to tie this all together. How about a reroll of a single die? Well, we know die rolls are ordered without repetition, and we know that they are non-exclusive. So a reroll of a single die has exactly the same odds of being safe as a roll of two dice. This should raise alarms in your head, because this means you have options. If you can get your strength to be greater than the defenders, that's an 89% chance of being safe. Or, if you have a TRR available, you only need to be equal to the defender's strength. Having these options is going to be key to both your strategy and tactics. Two things you always want to be doing every single turn in a game of Blood Bowl are maximizing your options, and minimizing your risks. So keep options on the table. The more ways you have of doing any one thing, the better your ability of actually doing it. Also, minimize your risk. Know your odds and don't make risky plays. Why take a 67% chance when you can take an 89% chance or a 96% chance? Why take a 16% chance when you could take no chance at all? Finally, I would like to talk about expected value. Now that we know how to calculate the odds of our die rolls, it can often be helpful to think about dice, particularly the d6 die, in terms of what is the average value I can expect. Now this only works when values are scalar. In other words, if the values we're talking about can be neatly arranged and aligned from lowest to highest. This is obviously the case with the d6, but it's also the case with the block die as well, as we talked about in an earlier segment. How do we calculate expected value? Well, you simply add together all of the values and divide the total number of outcomes. So, for a d6, this would be a sum of 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6, divided by the total number of faces, which is 6. That gives us 21 divided by 6, which is 3.5. And, and this makes sense, because all of the values are equally likely, so our expected value should be right in the middle. The number right in the middle between 1 and 6 is 3.5. What about the block die? At first, it seems a little tricky due to there being two push faces. What value should pushed have? Well, it turns out that it doesn't really matter. It makes sense to assign either a 3 or a 4 to pushed. If you assign a 3, you get an expected value of 3 and a third. If you assign 4, you get an expected value of 3 and 2 thirds. If you assign 1 3 and 1 4 to each of the push faces, then you get exactly what you'd get with a d6, which is 3 and a half. And 3 and a half is the mean average of 3 and a third and 3 and 2 thirds. 
The key point here with block die is that you're getting an expected value of 3.5, but you only need a 3 to be safe, which of course again is just another way to show that block dice favor the attacker. Sometimes the expected value can be very handy when calculating certain skills, particularly skills that allow you a free reroll of a die. So how do you calculate the expected value of a reroll? Well, let's pick an arbitrary and easy example. Let's say you have to roll a 3 plus on a d6 and you get a free reroll. So if you roll a 1 or a 2 on your first roll, you're going to get to roll again. What's your expected value? Well, if you are only rolling once, then we know your expected value is 3.5. To calculate the expected value with a reroll, we can replace the values of the values we would reroll with the expected value of a single roll. In other words, if we are going to reroll on a 1 or a 2, then instead of adding 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6, and dividing that by 6, we would replace the 1 and the 2 with the expected value of a d6 roll, which is 3.5. So we would add 3.5 plus 3.5 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6, which is 25, and divide that by 6, which is about 4.17. So if you get to re-roll when you need a 3 plus, that boosts your expected value from 3.5 to 4.17. That's a pretty good boost. And that's how you calculate odds for dice in Blood Bowl. If you've made it this far, thanks for sticking around. I know it was a lot of math, but honestly, that's why a lot of people don't ever figure this stuff out. It's not hard math, but it's a lot to take in at first. So I encourage you to give this episode a listen as many times as you need. Work through some problems, pause between segments, and write down what you learned. When you get in a game, that turn timer is going to apply pressure, and it'll be easy to forget what you've learned. So take it slow. You'll get there. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at mmu at avaunit2.com or on Twitter at avaunit2. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T-0-2. I appreciate your feedback, and I hope this episode was helpful, and I'll see you back here again for episode two. Until then, be kind to each other, forgive everyone, and praise Nuffle, and may he bless your dice.